Well, how are you guys doing today? You seem like you're doing really good. Or maybe I'm just doing really good, so I'm giving you credit for doing really good. But I think you look like you're doing really good. And when God created you, he said, it is very good. So I think you're on the right track. All right, I'm going to start with some prayer. I think that's usually a good idea. There's the say law right there, right? Start with prayer. Father, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity to come and gather together to worship you, to be in your presence together. Thank you, Father, for the saints that are gathered here this morning, Lord. These are your sons and daughters. These are, these are destiny-carrying, kingdom-expanding, miracle-working lovers. And I pray that today we would all be equipped, that we would all be challenged, that we would all be encouraged, that we would all be filled with your presence yet again by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that each of us would come away even from these next few moments together, Lord, with a sense of purpose and confidence having been together with you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Lord, would you bless my mouth to speak clearly and concisely that your word would be glorified in each of us. Amen. You know, I really love you guys. You guys are amazing. I was just thinking today about what an honor it is to get to be a part of this house. And, uh, and it's, it's just awesome, you know. Last week we had so many announcements. Do you guys remember that? Oh, it was a lot. And I was thinking about it because, you know, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. You may not know that looking at me, but it's probably a character defect. Anyway, and as I was thinking like, ooh, this is a lot. But then I thought, you know what I love about this tribe? Is that when we gather together, we are first and foremost a family. And this family is engaged in a lot of different things and a lot of different ways. And so a component of when we gather is that we actually have to cover some family business. You know, when we, I grew up in a, in a family with 10 kids and we used to have family meetings. And be like, okay, family meeting. And we would sit down in, the, in a big circle in the living room where you'd have to talk about family business. It usually came down to whose chores weren't getting done and how we needed to make sure we followed through on it. But, you know, really it's about the same here, right? It's like, hey, we're serving cities. Who's got the foster kids? I mean, the children in foster care. Who's handling schools? Who's working on, uh, you know, men's ministries? What's going on with the ladies? How about, you know, marriage? What's going on there? You know, and it's, it's a big family meeting, isn't it? So it's just good. I thought to myself, Joshua, you sweet little perfectionist, this is a problem of success. Celebrate it. So that's what I'm doing. Well, we've been going on uh, Rhythms of a Disciple, and we are on number seven, and this one is about fellowship. And, uh, and, and uh, not a word that we use too often, huh? It's like, hey, brother, would you like to go out and fellowship with me? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what you mean by that. So let's talk about what that means, because the Bible does use that word quite a bit. And, uh, and, and, and as I step into it, I'm going to start with a story. I heard a story last week, and I liked it, and I liked it for this, uh, for this example I thought, man, that really dovetails. So let me tell you the story. I was listening to a woman, and she was talking about the time that she first saw the man that she later married. And she said that she saw this guy, and uh, he was working in a restaurant, and she was there with some friends, a mutual friend. And she saw him interacting with the other coworkers and his friends. And uh, if you knew this, this girl, it's a little out of character what she does, but because she's not normally super like a forward kind of person, like I'm going to do this and I'm going to step in this way. Like she's a really 
very sweet, accommodating kind of lady. But in this particular situation, she actually got a little bit forward and took some steps to make sure she met this guy. And so this was just a fun story to hear. So here's what happened was she's watching this guy and she's watching the way that he's interacting with his friends and coworkers. And she said, when I saw him and the way that he treated other people and the way that he was engaging with them, then I thought to myself, I wanna know him. I wanna know that person. So she said to her friends, I like that guy, knowing that, her, that she was there with her friend and her friend was there to see her boyfriend. So she knew her friend's boyfriend, knew this guy. And she's like, knowing that when she said that, they were gonna, you know, she was a teenager at the time, they were gonna set him up on a date. So that was super forward if you knew this woman, but I didn't ask her if I could tell her story, so you don't. But nonetheless, she, well, you know the story, but you don't know who she is. So she told her friend, I wanna know that guy. And so the rest is history. They've been happily married for years. But what a fun story. And as I was thinking about the story, I started thinking, you know, really? That's what God wants us to do when he talks about love one another as I have loved you. He wants other people to look at the way that we love each other, to look at the way that we interact with each other, and they go, I want to know you. Like, I look at the way you treat your friends and your coworkers, the people in your life. I look at the way you roll and I go, I want, I am interested in you. I am interested in you. I think I want to date you. I think I want to date you. Now, the way that God does this is beautiful, by the way, because how many of you know that Jesus is looking for a bride? Come on. Jesus is looking for a bride. And you know who's part of that bride that he uses? Or not uses, but that he demonstrates his goodness through? Us. So when people see, when Jesus said, in fact, let me bring up the, um, no, I don't have it yet. When Jesus said, I want you to love each other as I've loved you, and by this people will know that you're my disciples. He put all the emphasis on the way that we love each other will actually cause people to look at how we love each other and go, I want to date you. I want to be around you. I want to do, I want to be a part of something like that. That makes my heart go, I want to go to there. And then you ask your friends, how do I hook up with these peoples? How do I connect with these peoples? How does this happen? And now here's the, here's the secret, guys. Here's the beauty. The beauty is Christ is in us. That's the, that's the hope of glory. That's the mystery kept for ages and generations. Christ in us. And when Christ is in us, we love each other so well because we're fulfilling that second commandment that other people say, I want to be with you. And when they show up, they go, why do you do what you do? And you say, actually, I do what I do. If there's something you like, if there's something beautiful, if there's something mysterious and amazing, let me tell you what it is. It is my best friend, my savior, my big brother, Jesus Christ in me and his father. And I want to tell you something. You do want to marry him. And you do want to be adopted by my daddy. I'll tell you that right now. Amen? And so that's what Jesus is talking about. That's what he's talking about when he said, they will see how you love each other, and then they will know that you're my disciples because you're doing it that well. People will look and go, I want to be treated like that. So let's unpack this a little bit. So here's what I'm going to say. Today we're going to talk about fellowship. And I'm going to give you three, this is not an exhaustive list, but I would say these are some primary areas when we see fellowship in the scriptures. These are some primary areas that we see in the area of fellowship. The first one is, you see that they worshiped together. They worshiped in homes and they worshiped in the synagogue. 
they just kept worshiping. They got together. Uh, the word church comes from the word ecclesia. It means called out one. It means people of God. And the people of God come together and be the people of God. That's what you did today. You came together and we worshiped. We came together and we worshiped. And you know what happened? Daddy's presence showed up. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But you gather together and you worship because you are having fellowship with God and with each other. So that's one part of it. The next part is, man, we eat together. There ain't no fellowshipping unless you're eating. There is food on the fellowship. It's a ship. Did you see what I did? There's like a ship. Anyway, it was awesome. You guys, come on. Throw me a bone. I stayed in the context of food. Okay, fine. You eat together. We're going to talk about that. And the last thing is you're learning together and you're encouraging each other. We are learning together and we are encouraging each other. We're coming together for those things. We're not just going to stay put and be like, I learned a thing and you know what? That's all I need. That's good enough for me. I learned what I learned. I know what I know. No, we need fellowship or else we will be saying things like that. So let me unpack this, okay? You guys having fun yet? All right, I'm having fun. I'm having enough fun for all of you. Now let's fellowship. Here we go. So this is that scripture I referenced a moment ago. John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, you have received my love, and it is for to love other people with that love. I want you to love me, and I want you to love other people. And if you're not doing that, you are not my disciples. So this is some strong language, and not to mention, think about this, Jesus places all of his emphasis of what success looks like. How many of you want to be successful? I know, every one of you. I know that you do. I know you're not lollygagging around the world like, I hope I am mediocre my whole life, that's my goal. No, you want to be successful. And Jesus says, hey, as a follower of Christ, it is the most important thing that you could possibly do and be and be a part of. In that area, let me tell you what success looks like. You must love each other as I have loved you. So he tells us, this is what success looks like. Are you loving each other like how I loved you? You're successful. And he puts the emphasis on it. If you want to know what it looks like, it looks like this. It looks like fellowship. It looks like you choose to be with each other. It looks like that, like that woman that liked that guy, that when you're around your people, other people go, I want to be a part of that. That is compelling. That makes me ask questions. Why are you being like that with each other? Because I'm with people, and we, we, you know, we like each other, but it doesn't look like that. That's, that's attractive to me. And Jesus says, I want, you, I want other people to look at the way you guys are with each other, and, they, and they, they have questions now. I love this as well. He puts the measure of whether or not we're authentic as disciples on whether or not people look and say, you're a disciple of Christ, aren't you? Like, I don't want to join you because that looks way too vulnerable and intimate and committed. And I'm more of an open relationship kind of person. So I don't want to go there. But I can tell that you are a follower of Christ. So even people that don't want to join still know why you do what you do. They don't just think you're a good person. They go, oh, you're one of those Christ followers. I can tell because you just keep forgiving We'll get to that in a minute. You guys are like, I'm out. <laughs> hey, I want to make a point here. This is not a bunny trail. I wrote it in my notes. And then I told myself to tell you that I wrote it in my notes. Good job, Josh. Okay. Listen, all of inner healing, 
all of the inner healing ministries, we have restoration ministries here. The tagline is, have you ever been hurt? Then avail yourself of restoration ministries. Because the answer to that for all of us is yes. Yes, I have been hurt. The reason why we have a, a sozo ministry, sozo simply means saved, healed, and delivered, is because people need to be saved, healed, and delivered. And the reason why we have inner healing ministries and why they're so integral in the body of Christ is because unless you are healed, you can't do this. You and I cannot do this. You see, that when we're broken inside, we have triggers. And those triggers came from people. And if you're around people, the people are going to trigger your triggers that came from people. Are you, is this hard? I think you understand what I'm saying here. And you will, you will sabotage that and bolt every time something looks like the way that you got wounded. I'm not mocking your wound. I'm saying that we've all been wounded by people. And in order for us to live this out, we have to actually be healed. So my, my encouragement to all of us is it's like inner healing as a part of, of the body of Christ and as a part of this tribe, it's not a box that we want to check off. Like, oh, I don't know, did you go through this class? No, well, then I don't trust you yet. Until I can check that box, I, you can't go any further because we have a system and you've got to be a, you know, get in our system. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. What it is is that unless we are healed, it is impossible for us to understand and stay around in order to fulfill those, those, that commandment to love others as God has loved us. There are obstacles in you that keep you from vulnerability and intimacy and trust and the ability to forgive and love. That's why we encourage, and every saint must, allow Christ to heal them. And he's given us those tools and those processes to do that. And that's why inner healing is so vital. Amen? Come on, I like that. That's my favorite one right there. My favorite one right there. Hallelujah. Okay. So look at this promise that's given to us then in fellowship. Look at the fullness of what God's talking about in the kingdom. He says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There I am with them. Where any two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And then in John 14, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I love that. I love that Jesus doesn't mess around. He's very clear. He's like, do you love me? I so love you. you got to obey my teaching. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a spouse that goes, do you love me? And they're like, yeah, I totally love you. It's like, well, you got to only be married to me. You can't be married to other people too. Right? Come on. So Jesus says, do you love me? Then do what I'm showing you to do. Stay within these parameters. Don't write your own religion. Come and follow me. Do what I'm telling you to do. Be the person that I'm telling you you actually are. Amen? And part of that is fellowship. So he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And then li listen, listen to this. This is so good. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. The concept of fellowship is the reality of what God designed and desires. We're, we're hosting his presence every time we gather in his name. We, he, he validates our lives with his presence, even to the point of making his and Christ's home in us. Think about this for a minute. Before you and I were born again, you know what we were? An I. We were an I. We were an independent. We were isolated. You put the I in isolated before you were born again. When you became born again, you became a we and an us. Your whole language changed. It's not just I 
isolated, independent. Now I'm interdependent. Now I am with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit at all times. How many times is God ever alone? Never. He is, when he created us, he said, let us make man in our image. He is, he is the definition of what fellowship looks like. So when he invites us into family and fellowship, he goes, I want you to join me as I am. I am in perfect fellowship with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it's just, it's just you're part of something now. And you're never alone. And the outworking of what we are in Christ, in the Father, in the Son, as they've made our, their home in us, and then, the, and then the outpouring is we make a home together. Now that's the concept. The practical side of it is that we actually start to like each other. To the point that people look at the way that we love each other and say, you must be a Christ follower. Because I don't see this kind of thing happening except for with followers of Christ. Amen? And to the extent that you've seen people saying, well, I am a Christ follower, but they're not actually doing this, Jesus would say, you're not actually my disciple yet. You're not, doing, you're not obeying anything I'm telling you. So you're not actually, like, I love you. I'm working in you. I'm working on you. You're just not doing what I've called you to do yet. And if that's the case with you, stop it. Stop it and start doing the things he told you to do, and you'll be super blessed for it. Don't you love the simplicity of the gospel? I always love it when it's really, like, I love it when the Lord goes, hey, Joshua, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm complaining to him and whining, and he goes, yeah, okay, well, that thing you're doing right here, stop. Stop doing that thing. And I'm like, well, that's not very hope-filled. Lord, I've been trying to stop doing that thing. He goes, I know, but here's one better. If you're, if, if, here's what I want you to do. Come do this thing. And I'm like, how's that going to help? He's like, well, if you're doing this thing, then you're no longer doing that thing. That's what the gospel is. You used to be a self-centered, self-righteous knucklehead, and he invited you to stop doing that and instead be a son or a daughter. That's the gospel. <laughs> it's so nice. And he did all the work so that you can just turn and go, oh, I'm doing this. Okay, good. And he goes, yeah, keep doing that. Well, what if I do that? He goes, well, if you're doing this, you won't be doing that. Do you want me to start at the beginning? I think you got this, right? So this is part of what fellowship is. This is what the second commandment is. When we do these things, we're not doing those other things. That's what's so beautiful about it. Let me continue. Isn't this good? Are you guys getting excited? Well, if you're not, I'm excited for you. No, you sounded excited. All right, listen to this. Now it goes on further. So then what do we do while we're together? What do we do? Why do we get together? Well, I just shared several reasons why. But there's another component that happens as we have fellowship. Earlier I talked about that we, that we encourage each other and we learn together. We don't just, it's not just I learned something in the beginning and that was enough for me and I'm not learning anymore. No way. Christ is huge. God's love is huge. You know, the universe is inside of another universe that's next to another universe that's a whole other universe that keeps expanding. All right, this is, and then God measures that in the span of his hand. There's plenty of new things to, to discover in his beauty and his majesty and his grace. So what's the point? We get to be ever learning, ever discovering, ever being spurred on to knowing more and more of his glory and his goodness. And it's poured out in these 
wonderful, awesome relationships that we have. And those relationships are about spurring each other on. So here we go. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There it is again, right? If you're in the habit of not getting together, then what are you? Then you're not doing that, right? So then you got to stop not meeting and you got to start meeting and all of a sudden you're not not meeting anymore. I know. Write that down. I don't understand. It's just blah, 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 blah. We'll just stop doing that and start doing this and eventually all your feelings will catch up because Jesus promised that they would. Come on, who just got saved twice on that one right there? That's a good word, Joshua. Okay. So we're spurring each other on to good things. Now, here's something that's interesting. Look, listen to this. So consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging each other and spurring each other on. Here's what's interesting about this is it doesn't say that God is spurring us on or that the Holy Spirit is spurring us on or that Jesus is spurring us on. It says, no, you guys spur each other on. I think that's interesting because I think for some of us with this temptation, like, well, it's just me and Jesus and if he wants me to do it, boy, he'll just come right down in a vision and he'll be like, ah, blah, 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 and you do it. And, blah, blah, and you're like, yeah, because I don't need people. And it's like, okay, go spend some ministry time with the Sozo team. Go through restoration. Get to liking people because Jesus is not going to tell you directly things that he's already telling you through other saints that line up with the Bible. Ouch. Somebody say, ouch. Come on. I love this. He's actually placed it within us to spur each other on to good works. And he has made that a part of what we get to do. And he's not going to do it himself. Wow. That's... That just stands on its own. Hallelujah. So how do we do some of that? How do, we, how do we spur each other on to good works? I like this. Let us consider how we may spur each other on to good works. It doesn't say this is the only way to do it. It says let us consider how we would do that. So in our context here as part of this tribe at Christ Center is that we have trimester home groups. Every trimester, there's a three-month section. So you, we take a little one-month break. Just go eat some food with each other, hang out, get rested up, because get ready, we're going again. Three months, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, where do I need to be spurred on to good works? It's like, I believe God can do anything, but I don't know how to balance my checkbook. Well, Financial Peace University is coming up in a month. I would spur you on to honoring him with your finances. Get some wisdom there, okay? Or, or marriage, or communication, or all kinds of different ways to spur each other on. And we do that. That's one of the ways that we've considered. How can we spur each other on? Well, we want to make sure that three times a year for three months, you have an on-ramp to be spurred on in a new way. And there's myriad different ways that that happens. Amen? So that's one thing that we do. We break into small groups and we spur each other on. And we're specific about it. Why? Because it says it in the Bible. Amen? All right, so that's one way. That's one way. And then there are all kinds of cool things that happen. Uh, you know, the lovely Allaire um, has a ladies group that meets. And she brings the ladies together and they spur each other on. And Linda, um, Linda Frizzell also, she teaches an amazing Bible study a couple times a year and says, let's spur each other on. And there are myriad other things. Rachel calls people together to encounter God through art and worship and spurs the people on. And then there's myriad things that are going on, by the way, that I don't even know about, which is a problem of success, that y'all dream up and you 
you call people together and you go, let's go after it. Let's learn. Let's grow. Amen. That's a part of fellowship, considering how we can spur each other on. Amen. All right. And there's myriad others. That was not a comprehensive list. Just a couple awesome billboards. So let's continue. First Peter 4 says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. <laughs> that puts the fear of God into me every time, by the way. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Isn't this awesome? You notice, first of all, that your gifts, if you see in this scripture, it says each one serve with the gift you've been given according to the gift and the glory that you've been given to do it. And it's in the context of fellowship. It's in the context of being the body of Christ that we give over our gifts. It's in the context of living out the second commandment that we love one another deeply as Christ loved us that our gifts are released. So yet again, you see that beautiful interdependence. It's in the context of fellowship that that happens. I think it's amazing when, when, my, sister, uh, when my sister Shri goes and, 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 and flag dances at home, but it's a heck of a lot better when, a heck of a lot better. It's heavenly better when it's here where you can see it. Amen? Now, when I flag dance, it's better that you don't see it. And I do that for you. But what I'm saying is there's gifts that are released. It's wonderful that Paul worships alone in his house. I'm glad he's practicing and the Lord enjoys it. But isn't it all the better when he and Wendy and the rest of the team come together and lead us in worship of the king together? That gift has a context. And it's the same thing in all of these areas where we serve. It's together that we're serving the city. Amen? When we do it apart, we do a tiny little bit. When we do it together, it's exponential. I wish I had more time to unpack that, but I think it speaks for itself. Now, you notice here that it says this, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Where are those sins coming from? As my daughter would say when she was four, hus. They're coming from hus. <laughs> we do it. We do it. And praise be to God that it says, little ones do not sin, but if you do sin, confess your sins one to another, and God is faithful to forgive them. You all are saints, chosen of God, and you sometimes sin. I am a saint, chosen of God, sometimes I sin. And when I do, it is my job to go and repent of that sin and clean up the mess that I made. Specifically in regard to the person who I made that mess against. And God is faithful to forgive. But here's what it doesn't say. Beloved, love each other deeply. And if anyone offends you, then take that as proof that you no longer need to obey Christ's teachings. Leave and find the perfect church where you'll never be hurt again. That's not what it says. So it's so integral in this as we're having fellowship is to understand that fellowship means forgiveness many times. And it's only our willingness through Christ to forgive and live these things out that makes this possible. 
If you think you've found the perfect church, you absolutely have. With all of its process and all of its opportunity to find the best and the worst that's in you right now and spur you on to good works to become all that Christ says that you are. By running into other people's best and the worst that they are and doing the same. Amen? Amen. All right, you guys are beautiful. So, what do we do then? What are the things that we're going to do so that we don't do the things we don't want to do? Right? We talked about that. So let's just get super practical. And, and I, so I've talked about that we gather together as a congregation. We worship the Lord. That's one way. Another way that we fellowship and live this out is that we, we break out in small groups. And we do stuff to spur each other on to good works. And it's super fun and it's super awesome. But it's challenging. It's not just like, oh, no, no, no. It's the teachings of Christ that we're dealing with when we spur each other on. All right? Amen? I think we've said enough about that. Let's talk about one other way that is awesome. And I think I can do this in 10 minutes, God willing. And if not, then you can just forgive me because I just taught you about that and we'll just go longer. So I didn't make any promises. Here we go. This is a, a very cool thing I'm about to take you through. And it's actually from a book that I love called Surprise the World. We actually give those away as gifts. Janelle, do we have any? Where's Janelle? She's probably working. Okay, I don't know if we have any copies, but if we don't and you're here for the very first time, I want to give you a copy. And if I don't actually have one today and this is an empty promise, please forgive me and I'll have one for you next week. But come see me after the service. Okay, this book is called Surprise the World. And it's a very, very cool, very, very practical way to engage in many of the things that Christ did. And we are doing this. I've got a group that's doing this. And Jason's taking the college age group through this. And they're starting to engage. And there are others. And we're going to continue to engage with this. But this is where I've got these ideas. So if you want to dig deeper, get that book. It's very, very cool. But here we go. The first thing here is this. How would you finish the following sentence? You guys know the word. So the Son of Man came to... Go ahead. What's that? Yep, to save the lost. To seek and save the lost. That's one of them. There's, what's another one? The Son of Man came to... To deliver. That's true. I think, well, that's part of that first one. Okay, so you guys did good. You're off to it. So let me tell you the three places where, where you see this sentence. The first one, come on, Fuji, the man, the legend. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we see that, that right there. He came, to be ser he came to serve and to save. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19, 10. And then the last one actually is when he's answering his critics... And it says this, Jesus is speaking of himself. He says, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, he's a glutton and a drunk. And a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus says, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So if we were to answer that question of what did the son of man come to do, here's what we see. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. So the son of man came to serve. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. How did he do that. How did he do that? Well, we know he died on a cross. Obviously, that happened one time. But he said to us, as I am, so are you. As I've done, so do you. And greater things you will do because I'm going to go to the Father. But we've been basing all these rhythms of a disciple on what we see in Christ's life. So what did Christ do? Well, his critics said what he does. He eats with sinners. <laughs> and he eats with the disciples. He eats with people. That's sneaky, Jehovah sneaky right there. He eats with people. Christ came and ate with people. Came and ate with 
You guys getting excited about it? You seeing this? Yeah. Okay, let me unpack it a little more. Here's what's amazing that he did in order to fulfill this. He gives us the table. What did Jesus say about himself? I am the bread of life that came down and is given for you. When you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will be saved. We take communion almost every Sunday. We didn't take it today, which is kind of ironic and funny since I'm talking about it. But anyway, when we take communion, what are we doing? We're preaching the gospel of Christ, who is the bread of life, who was given for our redemption. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, give us this day our daily bread. And we pray it to our daily bread. When we break bread together, it is the fulfillment of the second commandment that causes other people to see how we love each other and want to be invited to that table. When we invite others to the table and we break bread, we saw earlier that the Father and the Son themselves lives in us and has made their home in us. So when we sit down to eat food with people, do you know who they're having food with? Jesus, the bread himself, and his Father who he came to reveal. And we know the Holy Spirit is within us. And what does the Holy Spirit do, by the way? Convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. What? How awesome is this? You see, Jesus ate with the disciples. Where did he do most of his teaching? Around the table. He would take them away to a quiet place and they would rest and they would eat and he would teach them. But where did you see Jesus teaching sinners? What were his critics' complaints about him? He keeps eating with sinners. What happened to those sinners? They became saints. Jesus invited dirty, rotten sinners to his table. Starting with us. And then we became the family of God. And now we invite others to our table. And when they sit down, they sit down with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when we break the bread, though, though it may not be in that particular meal that you're breaking the bread and saying, this is Christ broken for your sins, you might not be at that point yet. They wouldn't understand that yet, but you break the bread and the Holy Spirit goes, there's something about that bread. And they're going, there's something about that bread. I don't know what it is, but you broke the bread and I started wanting to cry. You poured me a drink and I started thinking... You're the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. I don't, what is happening to me? And over time, what happens? People start to ask you questions. I went over to a friend's house the other day. They, they are not a believer. And it's so amazing because I will show up. We, we have some, so our, our kids uh, play together. And they're on, their, they're on their journey, you know, they're on their journey. But every time I show up, the father it's like, it's like four sentences, and then he's like, okay, answer me this question about God. Like, I don't, I, this sounds naughty, but I didn't even go over there to talk about God. Sorry, God. I didn't. I just went over to get my kid, maybe say hello and be friendly and, you know, whatever. But this person is like, you know, I set foot in their house, and they're like, eat with me. Come eat with me, because I have questions for you. You see, when we break bread with people, it's the same thing that God did with us. See, God set the table, and he poured the wine, which was the blood of Christ, 
He broke the bread, which was the body of Christ, and said, I want you at my table because you are my son, you are my daughter. And we're called to do the same thing. So what's the practice? Is this, is this strong enough? I wish I had more time to unpack it, but isn't this amazing? I mean, your own minds, obviously, already you're connecting. You read the scriptures. You're seeing this. All of a sudden you go, oh, my goodness. This is so powerful. What, what, what you've got to catch, guys, is that, is that is the power and the prophecy of eating with people. When you eat with people, you are prophesying the body and the blood of Christ. Because God is in you. So it's, how many of you, uh, how many of you, when you think evangelism, you, you pretty much see like, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're like me, then you immediately think of somebody like on the street, you see Ethan. <laughs> Just like walking up to strangers. It's like, hey man, how's it going? Da -da 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 -da. I know everybody you've ever met in your life. We're actually close friends, this is true. And then the next thing you know, they're praying a prayer. Well, that's awesome, but Ethan has a strong evangelism gift in his life. And if we all have to become Ethan in order for people to meet Jesus, we're in trouble. Because it's not going to happen. But thank God for that, that man. He spurs me on to good works. Or, you know, like you think of these like power encounters, you know. John Bowers has a story of a, of a guy who literally had arthritis. And he went over to see him and shakes his hand. And when he grabs a hold of his hand, this is a true story. The Lord says, I want you to squeeze his hand and ask him if he wants to get saved. And don't let go until he does. And so he's like, how you doing, Ron? And he's like, ah! And he's like, are you ready to receive Christ? And he's like, no! And he's like, are you ready to receive? And the guy prays a prayer and gets saved. This is a true story. It sounds like abuse. He was an old man. The guy gets saved later at the funeral. One of his kids comes to John and says, no, he didn't die then. He got saved. He died later. <laughs> so anyway, the kid comes to him and says, John, I know what you did. And I just want you to know that I have been praying for my dad for years. And I said, Lord, you got to send somebody to strong harm him into the kingdom because he will never go unless you make him. And he goes, and my dad received the Lord, truly did. And he was a changed man, and he was in heaven now. And, and I want to thank you for being willing to do that. Okay, so those are some great stories, right? Those are great stories. How many of you are like, I'm so going to do that next time? You know you're not. You're like, oh, Lord Jesus, like, I'm never going to do that. And you shouldn't, unless the Lord tells you that you'd be a weirdo. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, quit trying to be Ethan. Quit trying to be John Bowers. Here's what you do need to do. The Bible says you need to invite people to come eat food with you. How many of you can invite somebody to break bread with you this week? Come break bread with me. And when you do it, it preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what happens. People come to your table. They come to the Father's table. And you know what's amazing? In no time at all, they start asking you questions. Because the aroma of Christ is there in you. And they go, hey, you know, I mean, it, guys, I'm telling you, there's nothing to say except for that it's supernatural. It's amazing how quickly the Lord steers that conversation. It's like you're, I'm just telling you it's easy. How many of you wish evangelism was easy? Okay, here's the good news it is. Break bread with people. How many of you wish that discipleship was easy? 
In most ways it is. Do these three things I'm telling you. Not that I'm telling you, that Jesus is showing you how to do. And as we do that, now, does it take an act of will? Of course, I'm not saying, you know, these three steps and then, no. It's an act of will. There's real things going on. But it's not complicated. Amen? So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's, Here's three things that we just talked about. These are rhythms. Gather weekly to worship with the saints. They would gather on the first day of the week and worship the Lord together. Throughout history, with God, this has been happening, and it needs to continue. And when we do that, it says he inhabits the praises of his people. The presence of God is manifested. Let's continue to do that. And good job being here, by the way, guys. You're rocking that. Come on. All right? The next one. Eat with three people this week. Okay, Karen said, Joshua Alejandro Rivas, and she slapped my face. And spurred me on to good works. She said, every mom that is home with kids wants to punch you in the neck when you say that. And I said, I see that now. She said, don't make it three people this week. I encourage you to go after three. But you're in a season of life. Break bread with one person this week. And also recognize that when you set the table for your family and for your kids and for the place where you are, you're setting the table of the Father. And ask Holy Spirit, how do I remember, Lord, to incorporate that we're breaking bread because you made us a family? May, may we not waste this in front of the TV. Maybe this could be something that's sacred and holy and, and, and not so much in front of, you know, whatever show you, you usually like. I'm kids preaching to myself right here, by the way. But taking that time to break bread together, it's powerful. It's profound. Amen? So you're discipling those people that are in your life already. Break that bread. But, but be intentional to break bread with others that are either not yet in the body of Christ or that are in the body of Christ. For those of you where your schedule really does allow, because you eat 21 times a week, okay? Of those 21 times a week that you already eat, is it possible that you could have lunch with a coworker? You say, I want to buy you lunch. I just want to break bread with you. I just want to be with you. Don't say break bread, by the way. They don't know what the heck you're talking about. Like, what kind of cult are you? Do you know Ethan? Because he says break bread all the time. I was just taking a shot at you. You don't have to say break bread. If you're Ethan, you can get away with it. Otherwise, just say you want to eat some food. All right? Try to break bread this week. (laughs) Then I say it again. (laughs) With three people. Two who are already believers. And try to find at least one that doesn't know Christ yet. Invite them to the table. And just let God do what he does. You don't have to have an agenda. Jesus is in you. You just love them and keep being a follower of Christ. And they're going to they're gonna start asking you questions. Now, if you meet with them 20 times and Christ never comes up, come talk to me. Let's pray. There might be some things going on in your life where they don't recognize you're a Christ follower. We can, we can get you hooked up in that direction too. Amen? Is this helpful? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Lord, I pray for these amazing saints that you would bless them and keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift your countenance upon them, Lord, and give us all shalom. In Jesus' name, amen. The prayer servant team is coming to the front. If you need prayer or encouragement, they would be happy to give it to you. Amen. Love you guys.